0: Welcome to the latest episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and anything Yellow Jacket Athletics with our production engineer, Elliot Sweary, the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and I, used, uh, I usually use the phrase deep dive, but uh, kind of deliberately today, because as I'm walking over here from my office, i got to come across Catlin Avenue and everything, and I see a duck come and land in the standing water ah. in the courtyard, did he, did, he,
1: did he clear landing and then... He
0: did. He okay. he came in, got the feet down, and then you saw the water just spray everywhere. Oh, wow. That's how much it's been raining here in the Twin Ports over the last few days, where ducks can now safely yeah. land
1: on your lawn. It's amazing uh, how much rain we've had. I think I saw a graphic that we were, depending on where you were, it was anything, anywhere from like three-quarters of an inch to like an inch and three-quarters, depending on where you were. Uh, I can tell you firsthand, I had to go up to Volkswagen of Duluth today to get an oil change as part of the... Uh, package that I have on my new vehicle um, that they cover all the oil changes and services and stuff like that, and I don't have to pay for anything. So I went up there, and um, you wouldn't believe how thick the fog is up there. It's total pea soup. I had a hard time, because I know exactly, of course, where the dealership is. I had a hard time like, I hope I find it soon, because (laughs) I could be up here. here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I could be up here trying to navigate by the stars if I could see them, Right. because it is so thick up there right now. I was happy to drive down Masaba Avenue and come over here for the podcast, because the fact I was able to get out of the fog, and people right. who live on top of the hill over there know what I'm talking about. Yep. I lived on top of the hill for the first, you know, nine years. I lived in Duluth. Now I'm down at the bottom of the hill, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. But man, I don't miss that pea soup. I'll tell you <laughs> that, and it and it shows up periodically, right? You know, throughout the year. But wow, it's pretty thick today. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, there was a dense fog advisory. I know that was put out by the National Weather Service for Duluth too. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. It's a little bit soupy out there. Yeah. We've, the last week, I mean, we've had the, the really
0: beautiful weather on the weekend. Yeah. Where people are wearing shorts and sun's out and it's warm and, and all of that. And now you're into the, you know, high 30s, low 40s with rain
1: for three consecutive days. And, oh, my you know, yes. The only thing missing is the snow. Well, yeah. And, I mean, my parents came up. Actually, I had lunch with them uh, because they're up, up on the North Shore right now with the rest of my family. I'm the only one that's left behind, but, um, poor, poor guy. I know. It's, it's just poor, a bummer. Poor guy. But, um, They were telling me how much it was raining. Like, I mean, it poured basically from the time they got, I think it started, they said right around Hinkley, and then it just kept on all the way to Duluth and all the way up to Little Moray. So they were, I mean, that's a long stretch of road right there. Just, you know, you're talking about 100 miles almost of road that is just being drenched right now. And you can tell. Yeah. You know, we've had some weather cancellations as a result, but uh, um, we keep plugging along. Um, You know, there's a lot going on right now, as Mm -hmm. you and I both well know, and- uh, of course, UMD losing in the frozen four, uh, last night. Um, you and I talked a little bit off air about this, but, um, I was pretty shocked by what I saw in the overtime. And that was the only period I saw. I should preface that because I didn't see the rest of the game. I was too busy getting ready for my upcoming broadcast schedule, which is very full, um, <laughs> and the podcast. But, right. um, uh, I watched the overtime cause I got known with all my notes, at least for today, uh, for the podcast and the games I'm broadcasting later after this afternoon, we'll talk about that in the final segment, but, uh, Wow. I was shocked at how that overtime unfolded. I, I
0: was surprised just because I, I watched the entire game. Okay. And coming on, you know, it, coming on the heels of the first one. Right. The yeah. St. Cloud State Mankato game, which was a, a wonderful hockey game.
1: That was a very strange game. It, it looked like it, yeah. a
0: lot of back and forth and lead changes and you know Cloud, right down to the wire literally. St. Cloud yeah. literally scoring in the final minute yeah. to to win that game. Uh, wonderful game. And tough act to follow right. for UMD and UMass. And it, it, in some ways, was sort of reminiscent of the championship game two years ago, because UMD had zero difficulty with UMass in that game two years ago. Right. Yeah. They they controlled. I think it was
1: four one. Was that what it was? It's four nothing or four one or something. Like Three
0: nothing or four one or something yeah, like that. I, I yeah. don't remember. But it, they they had no difficulty with UMass and they no. just methodically picked them apart. dismantled them and won their second straight championship. Right. And in regulation. It was like that because UMD controlled that game. Right. Yeah. They they control they they were the better team in the 60 minutes. And I know uh, a lot of people in this area were very unhappy with the announcing at the game because we're not even talking about the two-time national champion. It's all about UMass, UMass, UMass. Well, number one, they're East Coast people. Right. And now. that is but, always going to be. That's East Coast what Coast they're attuned to because yeah. ESPN is on the East Coast. So right. that's what they're attuned to. Um, but. They, they weren't making enough of a deal about how UMD was controlling that game. Okay, But UMD didn't put the nail in the coffin. They allowed UMass to hang around and hang right. around and hang around. And the longer you let a team hang around like that, then obviously the bigger the opportunity for them to right. tie and or win a game. And so they tied that up in regulation. And I was like, okay, you know, this is a little, more, a little bit interesting. And then UMD had a surge right after that. Right, and it was, it was like they poked the bear a little bit, but it went away. And then when that overtime came, it was a completely different game. Yeah, and game. I felt like UMass went into the locker room and just said, "Well, we're going to do this. We might as
1: well." Yeah, exactly. And
0: they came out and they had so much more jump. They controlled the play. They really pushed UMD around. In they, that and yeah, and yeah. there <laughs> were long stretches in the UMD zone. UMD couldn't get line changes. When they wanted to, it was uh, a really dominating overtime for UMass. Yeah. That was one of the most. I I think shots were 13-2 to in the overtime. Yeah, they were. And I remember. Dominant.
1: I started to see tweets online while I was getting my notes together on my computer from various UMD sources that I know that were starting to get the heebie-jeebies about how this was unfolding. Right. Because they felt like UMD was starting to lose a grip on the game Mm -hmm. as things continued to go on. Yep. Um, and that was the, the feeling going into the end of regulation. Right, and then the overtime started. Right, and um, I was shocked. Uh, Ten minutes into the overtime, I was thinking to myself, "They're gonna get. They're gonna be lucky if they get out of this." See, period. I was. There's that part of me thinking
0: it was almost rope-a-dope-ish. I thought of that too. You know, it, yeah. the rope-a-dope crossed my mind because UMass is just pounding away. Right. Yeah, and can't get anything. And okay, well. That much time in the offensive zone, it's not as tiring as defending, but it's still tiring. Right. And I'm and all right, UMD is just sitting back a little bit, and they're going to get their opportunity, and this thing's going to be over.
1: Right. And that opportunity never came. Turned because, out, it was almost like the rope a dope was executed by UMass, right, more than anything else. I mean, they went through those first did, two. Did they lull them to sleep? I mean, maybe. I don't yeah, know. I, you know, to me, I have not seen a bulldog team during this run that they've had that was that physically dominated in a stretch of time mm-hmm. like they were last night. It just felt like UMass was the more conditioned, the stronger team physically. Because, um, I mean, there were times UMD's guys just got bodied up, and I don't want to say that UMD played soft mm-hmm. necessarily, but UMass played really physically and was very intense right. physically. I had not seen a team take it to the Bulldogs that physically in a long time and I, I i thought that it just wore the bulldogs out i thought by the end by the time the goal was finally scored i thought that umd had was just wearing out sure that's what it looked like it looked like they were just gassed and because the cycle game i'll be honest the cycle game that umass played was almost to a t mm-hmm. they did it almost perfectly right you know and umd i credit umass's defensemen a lot because they pinched and they they stood up umd's forwards trying to break out of their own zone i don't know how many times in the overtime right where UMB's forwards were turned and all of a sudden there's a there's UMass a player there. there. Yeah. And yeah. there's just Puck is back in the Minutemen's position, possession, and now we're doing it again. They done well, it. Their, back
0: and, in and their D were really engaged too. Their yeah. their D were involved in the offense in ways that a lot of teams don't utilize their defensemen. Right. So it was it was impressive. Yeah. It was an impressive overtime. Credit to UMass. You know, yeah. I mean um, I I feel bad for Coach Sandlin, who's, you know, a, a longtime friend of mine and right. all yeah. you know, those players, because it's it's a hard. Way it's to heartbreaking. Go. It's yeah. heartbreaking to lose that that semifinal game, and thank God they don't have the third place game anymore, because oh, yeah. that's the most miserable game to play in. Right. Uh, but you know, credit to UMass, and I guess now I'm a
1: Saint Cloud State fan. <laughs> it'll be an interesting game <laughs> right. on Saturday. It should be. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be a good. It game. It should be. Um, you know, I thought that Mankato was on their way. I did too. And um, boy, giving up the two goals like they did at mm-hmm. the end of the game—that's—that's. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just as heartbreaking for them as right. UMD losing in overtime to UMass. Um, so, yeah, two tough ways to go. Yep. And, you know, I feel bad for the Salem family because, um, of course, Ryan plays for um, Minnesota State. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, Scott coaches UMD. Mm-hmm. So, and they were both knocked out in the semifinal round in heartbreaking fashion. Right. Um, but, you know, credit to them. Absolutely. You know, I felt probably the worst for Scott's wife. They showed her in the stands. I showed her in tears after the Mankato game, and she had to do it again. And have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the uh, in the in the UMD game. So, um. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, yeah. As Scott said it in the uh, press conference yesterday. Not a great day for the Sandelin family. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's life. That is. That's sports. It is. You know, that it I, is sports. I mean, ask Gonzaga. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You don't no. lose a game all year. No. You know, and, and they went to the final and got pasted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, by Baylor and I mean, Baylor a lot was of people better. thinking they shouldn't have been in the final because oh, lucky shot. Well,
1: yeah, well. you know, I you know that happens though. That's right. part of the game too. Right. You know, and then, uh, you know they went and you know you can't cheat Baylor and and fault Baylor. Baylor was just better. Mm-hmm. You know and. That's how that overtime session went for UMD too. Right, exactly. I, I felt like UMass was just better, yep, and I they agree. deserved to win. Yep, yeah. they did. Yeah, they was,
0: absolutely did. Yeah. You get to that point, I mean, everybody deserves to be there. Right, yeah. you know, you're you're in the Frozen Four. You're one of the Final Four teams in the nation. You you don't get there by accident. No, you have to go through you, some stuff. If you're yeah. at that point, you deserve to be there. Right. Yeah. So at, at this point. Nobody should be surprised about any team beating any team in a Frozen no. Four and a Final Four because they
1: deserve to be there. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's anybody's game yep. when you get to the semifinal and the final round. Right. So, anyway. But anyway. I, I want to get your thoughts on that one. No, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. It's been such a big topic of conversation up here. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's disappointing, I, I'm sure. And I'm a UMD broadcaster as well, so I know I'll, it'll come up in conversation. But mm-hmm. congrats to UMass, and congrats to the Bulldogs on a great run. Absolutely. It was a great run, uh, you know. You know? Getting this far for a third straight year?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? Losing your first overtime game since 1985? Yeah, I mean, In NCAA none of these players, players were even born yet. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> yeah, not even close to being born not yet. even close. <laughs> yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah. you know, I mean, you and I were not even barely double di- digits old. I think you might have been 11. I was 10. Yeah, and I would have been 9. Yep. So I was 10.
0: Yeah, there you go. I was 10 when they lost that game, and I, I was glued to it and heartbroken because they had a Chisholm guy on their roster then. Oh, okay. And so, you know, I was a big Mark Barron fan. Oh. And I believe he scored <laughs> in that game. It was the RPI, I think. Yeah, they lost the RPI. Yeah, and they, they uh, and Darren Poopa, Adam Oates, you know, a couple of the great players in that RPI team that went on to win the national championship, but... Um, yeah, I believe Mark Barron scored at one, maybe two goals in that game for you. Oh wow! Yeah, because yeah, it was a six-five final, I think it was. Yeah, it was high scoring.
1: Yeah, it was, it was high scoring 5, like '80s but, yeah.
0: hockey was want to be. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, anyway, yeah, good stuff there. So yeah, let's talk about UWS. We won't stuff. be talking hockey anymore because it's us, all that, over. That's over. Yeah, but just over. what everybody else is playing. Yeah, at <laughs> least in,
1: in, uh, in UW Superior, everybody's playing. Um, we'll jump right into it too. Um, men's soccer now three and zero overall, two and zero in the UMAC. Uh, They played two games last week. They defeated Martin Luther 8 0. That was a game that we had on 91.3 FM um, with yours truly. Uh, That was a game Jackets scored three times in the first half, then five times in the second half. um, And And a lot of guys. Including three in the last five minutes. Yeah, three in the last five minutes. A couple of them were like nine seconds, like 19 seconds apart. Yeah, I mean, it's as close as you can get goals to be in soccer. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it was right off the kickoff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two goals each for the L Jackets in that game Uh, Nikolai Stoker and Blake Perry and that 8-0 win. Uh, also Brandon Conklin, Blake Hanson, Philip Erickson, and Blake Doye scoring for the L Jackets in that contest. Um, that win made them 2-0 on the season, 1-0 in the UMAC. That was their UMAC opener. Uh, UWS outshot the uh, Knights 29-2. Elric Lager made two stops in goal to pick up the win. Jackets held a 13-2 edge in shots on goal, um, and that made them 2-0. And then they followed that up on Wednesday uh, down at Elliott Park in minneapolis State feed North Central, 6-0. Pros babia had a Monster had a day. Game. Yeah, he had a day, as they would say. Four goals and an assist for him. I think there might be a UMAC uh, award coming this way. It ended up being three. Ended up being three. three. goals, was a three? Assists, okay, yeah. yeah. Three goals and two assists. But he factored in on five goals, so mm-hmm. have a day. Uh, Protus. Uh, Protus, Bobby, like I said, scored three goals, two assists. Uh, they got additional goals from Miguel Ocampo and Mason Tinsky. Who scored the other goal that was credited that originally to Protus? I don't remember. Okay, but anyway, it was six that were put up, three in each half for the Yellow Jackets. I would shot the Rams 32 to two for the game, including 17 to two in shots on goal. Ulrich Lager, who is by the way the UMAC Defensive Player of the Week, named Defensive Player of the Week for the second time in his career, um, made two saves to pick up the victory. His first honor of Defensive Player of the Week uh, came back on October 28th of 2019, so the second time for him. But altogether now, the Jackets in three games outscored the opposition 19 to one. So they're rolling right along. <laughs> You're just shaking your head, John. I, I, I am. You know. Yeah. We're.
0: This isn't a visual podcast, but yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here just shaking my head, going, you, you know, they're.
1: It's year after year. They're they're so deep. Yeah. And they are so good. And they score so many goals. Yeah. It's just, you know, and there were times hey, I, I don't thought
0: I disrespect anybody else in the UMAC, but they're going to run roughshod over this conference. Yeah.
1: Well, they're already doing it. I mean, last year, what was it was, I think Frank poofall came to us with the stats. I think. Yeah, Baseball he had coach. the numbers, but it's it's. Gaudy it's a lot. Numbers. It was like forty eight to four or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, too. it was some crazy number like that. Anyway, they're well on their way to that again. Nineteen to one so far in three games. And uh they have a, a couple of games coming up this week that we'll talk about in the final uh, segment. But uh same old, same old for men's soccer. They keep rolling right along. Women's soccer's rolling right along too, by the way. Uh really impressed with them in the first two games. We weren't sure what to expect from them. Right. But uh, Allison DeGroat and the uh, the ladies, that's a strong core of players they have now. Yeah, That's a really good group. Yeah, there's Best some group that I've there. ever seen. There's some talent there. Yeah, there's some talent there for sure. Uh, they're 2-0 in the season, 2-0 and in the UMAC, posted a pair of shutouts, uh, Open up the season with a 3-0 victory over Martin Luther. You and I were at that game. I broadcasted it on 91.3 as well. Uh, really impressive performance because that Martin Luther team is not bad, and they returned a lot of players from last year. That was a playoff team a year ago. Right. And the Jackets just throttled them in that game. 3-0, the L Jackets win it. Um, against Martin Luther, the Jackets got two goals from Anna Schussman and an additional goal from freshman Allison Alessi, who's going to be a really good player. I think so. Yeah, she's going to be a really good player. There's a bunch of uh, freshmen. She can on that fly. Team. She can really run. Yeah. She can fly. She went right around a couple defenders. Yes, in that and we are watching that
0: just going, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's going to be hard to stop. She brothers. just turned
1: Allison, and ran right around them. Right past them. Yep, mm-hmm. and she's going to do that quite often, so mm-hmm. get used to seeing that. Um, that game was played at the Embassy Spartan Sports Complex. Uh, like I said, two goals from Anna Schussman, uh, Allison Lessey with her first career goal. She also had an assist, two assists, I think, on the two day. Two assists. Yeah, so she's going she's to be a big-time contributor. Jackets held a 19-6 to 6 edge in total shots, including 9-2 in shots on goal. Morgan Philiber picked up two saves and goal to pick up the shutout for the Yellow Jackets. And then against North Central in their second game of the week, one of the other star freshmen, Naya Wilson, had three goals and an assist. Anna Schussman and Alison Alessi also scored for the Yellow Jackets. Expect those two to score a lot. Yep. Actually probably uh all no, three Wilson. of them. Yeah, they'll all score quite a bit. Uh Jackets out shot North Central. This was crazy. Thirty-six to three for the game and sixteen to one in shots on goal. Morgan Philiber made one save to pick up the shutout and goal for the 2nd straight game. And Anna Schussman by the way, was named UMAC Offensive Player of the Week for the third time in her career. She did it twice in 2019, once on September 9th and September 30th, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that's what it was. You're asking me to remember way too far back. Okay. Well, anyway, so Anna Schussman uh, now has some partners up top that can also score goals. So mm-hmm. this jacket team is going to be pretty dangerous, I think. They're, I think so, too. They're going to be really good. If uh, people, if you get a chance, come out uh, to watch them on Saturday. That's just a quick plug. But uh, – Boy, it's it's a fun team to watch. Coach Allison DeGroat's got a really nice squad, yep. a really nice core. So uh, come out and watch them. And they're young, so they're going to get better as they move along. Right. Now softball's at 7-5 and five overall, 2-0 oh in the UMAC. They hadn't played any games since March 20th. And then they finally hit the field again this past Tuesday, sweeping North Central 19 nothing and 14 to nothing at the MSC <sighs> Spartan Sports Complex. They played pretty well all year, but they yeah. were really good that day. Yeah. Um, in Game One, that, that uh, sweep against North Central Jackets had 11 hits and scored at least six runs in three different innings. Uh, Olivia Bancroft Hart led the way for the Jackets, three for four with a double, three RBIs, and three runs scored. Taylor Kramer, Tiffany Kirk, and Davriana Horvath all had two hits in the game as well. Taylor Kramer pitched a one-hitter in the circle, going five innings while allowing just one walk and striking out 11 to pick up the win. And then in Game Two, the Jackets scored nine times in the first. And then added five more, I think, in the fourth. I think it was. Was that what it was? I yeah, think it was. something like that. Haley Melgeorge and Just Jacobson led the Yellow Jackets offensively. Who had 10 hits as a team. They each had two hits. Melania Medill pitched the first three innings for the Yellow Jackets, allowing one hit while striking out five. And Amanda Kishish, good to see her back in a Yellow Jacket uniform. She pitched the final two innings, allowing one hit while striking out three. So pretty straightforward performance for the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. And they have a very busy week coming up. They do. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the final segment. Baseball, 7-9 and nine now overall. They lost three games last week. They're on a five-game losing streak, so they got to turn things around a little bit. Yeah, a little tough stretch here. Yeah, uh, fell to Saint Olaf, my uh, undergraduate alma mater, eleven to three and sixteen to four on Saturday at Mark Omlie Field in Northfield, Minnesota, before falling to Saint Cloudska as well, six to one on Tuesday. Ooh, not a lot of highlights. No, it was a tough couple of games there. Uh, they, like I said, need to pick the pick themselves back up and start winning some games here. They'll have an opportunity to do so, but uh, yeah, it was a rough one. In game one against Saint Olaf, the Jackets had eight hits but committed four errors and that ended up really hurting them. Ryan Castaneda led the way for the Jackets offensively. Two for three with a double, an RBI, and a run scored. Ryan Rodriguez started and took the loss for the Jackets, pitching the first three innings while allowing four runs on seven hits with two walks and two strikeouts. In game two against St. Louis, the Jackets trailed 6-1 to after two and never got closer than four runs the rest of the way. Ice Aguilar had a nice game at the plate for the Jackets. Three for three with an RBI. Elliot Danhoff started on the mound and pitched the first two innings, allowing six runs on five hits while walking four and striking out five. And against St. Glasgow, the Jackets just couldn't find any offense really anywhere. It didn't feel like that anyway. But that was a game that we did also a 91.3. Yeah, it was a
0: rapidly moving game. Neither team was. No, it wasn't the cover like anyone was ball. really hitting the ball. You very know, well. I mean, the first four innings, neither team scored. I think each team had one hit in there. Yeah. You know, that that game just nobody was having. Jackets success.
1: had, you know, opportunities. <clears> they loaded the bases three times. Three times. And only twice got with one run one. out. Yeah, twice with one out and just couldn't get anybody across until the bottom of the eighth. Um, you know, it was it was a tough game offensively mm-hmm. for the Jackets. Um, Nick Shea and Nick Zazalka had solid games at the play for the Jackets. Each had two hits. Szolka had the lone RBI in there as well for the Yellow Jackets. Joey Barker, tough way for him to lose his first career stars as a Yellow Jacket. Pitched really well. Went six innings, gave up just four hits, um, and just one earned run, while giving up uh, two walks and two strikeouts. But uh Jackets committed some errors of bad times too. I think they had three errors for the game, but I think Joey ended up giving up three runs in six innings, and you'll take that anytime. Right. From your starting pitch, especially a freshman. Yep. And he threw well. I mean, we were talking he, yeah, about that. Did. Yeah. He did. But he takes the loss, unfortunately, for the L Jackets. They're now seven and nine and they have a busy week as well coming up. Volleyball had a rough way to end their Tough season. Rough way to as end. Well. it. Yeah, but uh, you know, what can you do? Eight and two they finish up, six and two and the UMAC will talk more about the reason why they are finished up. And the uh, as we move along here, I should say, close out the 2021 season with a three-to-one victory over Bethany Lutheran last Saturday at the North Gym in Mankato. Set scores: 25-8, 25-19, 29-31, and 25-16. UWS hit 252 for the match, while the Vikings hit just 089. Kalen Plouts led the way for the Jackets. The freshman 16 kills. Maddie Cabe had 15, so the two freshmen for the L Jackets had 31 combined kills. While Lexi Preed had 13 kills. And seventeen digs. Megan Holes with forty-eight assists, and Haley Atwood chipped in with fifteen digs. The L Jackets were supposed to play in the UMAC tournament starting yesterday, but that did not take place because of COVID. COVID nineteen. Yeah, they were the the three seed. Yeah, they were the number three seed. We're going to play Saint Scholastica, who is the number two seed. Yep. But now the Saints move right on because uh, the bye situation. So they well, the, the or uh, did they have to reseed that? No, I don't even know.
0: They they reseeded it uh and gave the bye to Northwestern. Okay, because one the one. Yeah. Okay. So then the four seed Morris. Well, play went to same no not will did will did. they okay. played last night and Morris won oh so Morris moves on now Morris moves
1: on to play Northwestern in the championship but uh, yeah so that's uh, interesting that's a different way of doing it but because mm-hmm. uh, some other leagues have just been I'm automatically moving them on but anyway that's what happened um so the Yellow Jackets finished up eight and two, six and two. Tough way to go, but tough way. They had a nice, strong season though. Yep, at eight and two, they had a good year. Uh, men's and women's tennis: men are now four and two, women two and five. Men defeated Hamlin seven to two on Saturday. Well, the women fell nine to nothing to the Pipers at the Rogers Tennis Center in Rogers, Minnesota. Uh, the men picked up wins in the singles area from uh, or zing- singles category from Gergo Potts, Nagy, Andre Luiz, Jacob Zacharias, Carl Lamont, and Gavin Mangan along with doubles wins from the duos of Potts, Nagy, and Louise at number one doubles and Mangan and Silver at number two doubles. And both teams have had a couple of postponements as well. Uh, they were supposed to play Martin Luther yesterday at the Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse here on the campus of BWS, but that match was postponed, as was their match scheduled for this afternoon at Minnesota Morris. So a couple of postponements for them. They will be in action or supposed to be in action this week, but we'll see if that holds we'll true. let wait and see. Yep. Men's golf. We haven't talked about them in a long time. Opened up the 2021 2021- <laughs> Yeah, 2021 campaign by finishing 12th at the Wartburg Spring Invite hosted by Wartburg College at the Prairie Lynx Golf Course in Waverly, Iowa, Friday and Saturday. I guess the conditions weren't exactly great.
0: No. In talking to Coach Eberhardt and a couple of the players, it was not a fun day.
1: In round one. No. Round one, I guess, was 40 to 45 mile-per-hour winds, Sustained I, wins, I, Yeah, I talked to Sam Albrecht as well, and he kind of gave me the lowdown, but it did not sound good. No. Yeah, at all. I would not enjoy golfing in that. No. Yellow Jackets finished the two-day event with 663 points as a team, and were led by Joy Cummings, who shot a 153 of the two days to finish in 15th place. They're next in action, of course, coming up this week as well. They have a couple of match, uh, meets coming up, actually. Women's golf also will be in action this week. Uh, men's and women's outdoor track and field will also be in action this week, but... uh uh, that's it as far as uh, teams that played last week. And it's going to be busy, though, coming up this week because just about everybody's playing. It's busy for the month
0: of April. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. going. I'm looking at the schedule and scheduling student workers and trying to move things around to avoid athletes who work for us who are playing at the same time or practice at the same time. This is unlike anything we've ever seen with the number of contests that we have piled up right now. Yeah. But,
1: I, I feel like my brain's exploding sometimes. Yeah, I, I feel like recaps. that daily.
0: So it's it's the nature of the beast right now, though.
1: But that's what was last week, so
0: there you have it. Busy week last week, busy one coming up, and uh, one of those teams that's going to be busy is going to be joining us here now in the middle segment as head coach Joe Mooney and Archie Jurdrum from the men's soccer team will sit down and talk a little bit about that offensive juggernaut that we uh, remarked about here a few moments ago. It'll be a fun segment. Looking forward to having them, so we'll take a time out, and we'll come back and catch up with members of the L-Jacket men's soccer team right after this. You are listening to Eye of the Swarm. Can
1: I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea.
0: Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you.
2: Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here.
0: Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by members of the Yellow Jacket Men's Soccer Team. Head Coach Joe Mooney, Archie Jerdrom, with us here this week. And uh, first and foremost, I think, based on the pre-conversation that we were having, uh, some belated congratulations to you on the uh, the new roommate. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're what about three, four weeks into the five some now uh,
3: at the Mooney house, which has been a a transition. Um, And uh, there's some getting used to there with everybody, you know, but uh, it's been great. Uh, Everybody's healthy. Um, Baby Leah is is doing well. The big sisters are doing a great job helping out and, and uh, mom and dad are just kind of we're on cruise control right now. It's you know round three, and things have gone well so far. I'm I'm knocking on this this wood here to make sure that <laughs> I'm not jinxing myself here. I yeah. think you just did by saying uh, <laughs> mom and dad are on cruise control
0: because you're about 15 minutes away from the message of um, guess what your daughter did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well uh,
3: Rachel's mom is up
0: right now too, so
3: we've got extra hands on deck right That's now. Good. So if it's gonna happen, now's the time, right?
0: What is the building on the conversation we were just having? What is the, 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 what's something that you forgot about? And now that you have a new child, you're going, oh man, I completely forgot about this after having the first two. I mean, honestly, like as, as simple as this sounds, uh, and this is
3: how the whole, you know, like our whole pre, pre-conversation started, uh, diapers, like just the, the buying of diapers, the changing of diapers, you know, all of that. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, the expense of diapers that's ridiculous. It's,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Are they really bad? You know, I'm oh. saying that as somebody who is not a father, is, is like, a diaper super expensive. So now.
3: I read an article, Matt, that it's like, the average kid is supposed to cost from, from birth to 18 about $250,000 is what it costs to raise a child in the U.S. And that's so what how right big Archie's yeah. eyes Are, just got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went right to the, yeah. rubbing my temple. Uh, oh, <laughs> my. oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably half that's diapers. Like, just a rough estimate. Okay. No, it's not that bad. But it's, no, it's it's expensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Diapers are expensive. Yeah. And they get more expensive as the child gets bigger and there's fewer in the box. Yep. Yep. And there's really,
3: like... You know, with with any kind of disposable diapers, there's no obviously there's no reusing. There's no like varying degrees of dirtiness of a diaper, right? Like once it's it's, so, it's not like it's you used. can't stretch it any further, right? Yeah. Like that's
1: it's a one. And whether done it's a little bit, or yeah. a lot,
3: mm-hmm. like you're changing the diaper and and you know so you're going through them very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
3: because back in the old days they used to have
0: diapers, cloth diapers that you could wash. That's what I had when I was a baby. Yeah, like right. Was, we had cloth yeah. diapers. Right, and yeah. then which I can't even imagine. Oh my, like my and sister, sister had, had that laundry. Man, yeah, man. like.
3: I'm all for the environment, and everything like that, but uh. <laughs> some of the stuff that goes on in those
1: diapers should not be.
3: Repeated.
0: I'm a big fan of Pampers too, and <laughs> yeah. I want to do my share to keep them in yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, because
1: back in the old days, like I said, they used to have these uh, cloth diapers mm-hmm. that you could wash. Technically, you could wash them and then use them again. And I think our generation is probably the last that kind of through that. And then, because when I remember when my sister was little, I had—I think I did too—when I had the cloth diapers when I was a kid, or at least some some of the time. Um but my sister I think my parents made the start making the transition from cloth diapers into like once and one and done and yeah. I I don't think my parents were exactly disappointed to go to the one and done scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and I say that as 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 the child of an OBGYN nurse. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. So I <laughs> you know yeah. I don't think that there was a lot of pushback in regards to getting disposable diapers but because I never thought of them as being that expensive. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never went and actually said, "Go buy some diapers for somebody." Like, I've never done that, so I don't know how expensive they Ken, are. Ken, if I you want, yeah, well,
0: I, I, <laughs> I know it's a regular.
1: We'll take a box of 120. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. gonna run you about 40 bucks. <laughs> well,
3: that's why like the diaper party has become a thing, right? Yes. It's you know the the tradition of. Uh, and Archie, you probably don't know yet, or maybe maybe you've been to one. I don't know, but uh, you know when <laughs> when a friend gets, you know, when they when they're about to have their first child, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a lot of times it's the baby shower on on the woman's side and on the on the you know husband side or the man side. It's usually it's a it's a diaper party. It's all of his buddies wow. and everybody's got to show up with a box of diapers, and then that's kind of the that's the party. Wow.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how quickly you're going to go through whatever you accumulate at that party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go through diapers quickly. Yeah. You know, and they're, when they're newborns like that, I, boy, we've really gone off on a tangent here. They, (laughs) when they're newborns, I mean, they they go through 10 a day. Yeah. It's unbelievable how often you are changing diapers on a newborn.
3: Yeah. And, and how I just, (laughs) I know I've gotten better at it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've perfected that skill by any means. The diaper change? No, no. I'm still a, a fumbler in terms of like, not the baby. Okay, like I haven't fumbled the good, baby that's yet. That's good. Right? That's Yeah. Good, yeah. So, uh, and like you know, diaper uh, before baby. What's that? Yeah. Diaper right. Like baby. if you're gonna drop. drop one, you know. Yeah. Not even like fumble like to the ground. Just like it's very clumsy. It's you right. know, you know this. The wing of it is is now shut when it should have been open, or you know this. You know these two touch, and now there's you know, you know soil from both of them. On, you know. Right. So It's just it's not third. been a very uh, clean process for me.
0: Wait till they start moving. Right. During diaper changes. Oh yeah. That's that's a great yeah. time. That's well, they're great kicking time. their legs and yeah. Kicking like... legs, pushing you away. Yeah, but that's I, that's the phase we're in right now. Okay.
2: Mm.
3: But I will say, you know, I mentioned this that the you know, the, the older two sisters have been a great help. Alexa, especially Alexa's eight years old now, and she's yeah, are she can you believe that? <laughs> she's eight years old, man. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa Yeah. You remember wow. when you first got here, yes. she's just a West. you know she was three, three, four, like wow. she's a peanut, right? She's eight years old. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So she has been a tremendous help around the house. And literally, I mean, I thought this was going to wear off quickly, and it hasn't yet. Uh, so, Alexa, if you listen to this, like, just know I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm grateful. Uh, still, hey, don't change that diaper without me. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Lex, it's all yours. Like, you can have <laughs> right? She's, she's
3: really into, into helping. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's been terrific. And, and both the girls have been.
0: Don't change that diaper
1: without me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not gonna fight you, you. kid. Right? Like, good for you. That's a very industrious eight-year-old boy. I guess. Oh, she's she's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, Yeah. she's always been that way, though. I mean, she's just sort of. I feel old now because I remember when Rachel was pregnant with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and that makes me feel really old because I remember, like I said, when Rachel was. I I remember all three of Rachel's pregnancies at different stages, obviously, uh, because I've known you guys for that forever. But uh, I remember when she was first pregnant with Alexa, and I thought. Well, look at that. Joe's going to have a baby. And now it's number three and a Great Dane (laughs) named Chester. Yeah. It's a a full house. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's, I kind of picture Mooney's house as sort of like a a madhouse. Like, is it sort of a madhouse?
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're spot on, Matt. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just thinking this through. It's never quiet. It's never clean. You know, Uh, and I mean, obviously I'm, I'm pretty busy with, with my job, you know, Rachel is a, she's a nurse educator. Uh, and so for big stretches of the year, she's very busy too. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's, and, and we really, I think kind of prioritize, you know, the, uh, the experience and, you know, sort of the, we like being busy. And so just, I mean, it's always like, we, we feel like we're just kind of like, we're never caught up on on laundry. We're never caught up on dishes. We're never caught up in anything. It's like, you know what? Like, we don't need to have the pristine house. We want to have the the loving house, the busy house, mm-hmm. all that. You know, there's so, just a thousand things always going on. Definitely yeah. has yeah. that lived-in like, look, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the inside, that's the my side, house. Yeah. It's a lived-in
0: look at our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. yep. As much like, as I like things to be clean and, and tidy and all that, you know, I'm I'm starting to learn that. Yeah. Even With one, I can't imagine three. With one, it's it's a lived-in look at the. Yeah, our for house. sure. Yeah. You know, it's and it's. There are times where it's like
3: I mean, there there's stages of that too, right? Where it's like, Yep, that that house is lived in and I (laughs) I like that phrase. And then it like there are times where it kinda goes to the point like like should is people, that house
1: lived in <laughs> should people live here like yeah,
0: yeah. Is, is it okay that everyone's living here yeah yeah, yeah. we're not so quite it, teetering on that yet yeah usually about mid-season is yeah.
3: where where it gets to that point and and that's when I know I've, I've got to pick my game up a little bit you know Rach is great and and uh you know she's very supportive I think you know that's a big thing with with coaches and people in, in the athletics you know world in general it's it's not nine to five you know um there's going to be uh, there's a lot of flexibility at times, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of times where it's it's really you're clamped down, and you're, you know, it's sun up to sundown kind of thing, and and well past sundown, you know. Um, and so having, uh, you know, members of your family who understand that and support it, it's you know, I'm just very grateful for that. And you know, you know all about that too, Garfs.
0: Let's let's. That's actually a pretty good segue because you're talking about times when you're clamped down, and it's it's different this year because you've been you're clamped down at a different time of year now. So let's talk about that a little bit as you finally gotten your season started uh, i'm sure there were plenty of times where you weren't sure there was going to be a season but now you've got your season started so let's talk about that a little bit first just the the strangeness of playing in the spring and you know we'll, we'll go away from babies you can your eyes don't have to be quite as wide now aren't you so let's yep, talk yep. a little bit of soccer how has this been moving your season from fall to spring how has the team been able to, to grab onto that
2: um the transition i mean definitely has been uh i think it's not It's not been the easiest for myself, but um, with the coaching staff that we have here and the guys around, I think we've done a really good job of transitioning. We. I think we've done a really, really good job, actually. Um, preseason workouts, phenomenal. Um, sometimes at times I did Which think,
0: preseason now? Preseason uh, going, going as in the into fall? Preseason as spring, when you get to into, January? Which preseason? Yeah, yeah, January. January. <laughs> I
2: liked it a lot because growing up I played all year round, um, but... Within, within the workouts and within the mental work that we've been doing as well and kind of gearing up to even though we might have a season, we might not have a season, I think the way we tacked it was really, really, like, well done and well, well orchestrated, if you know what I mean. So um, I'm definitely, like, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful that we do have a season right now. So,
0: Has that kind of been the feel? Is there – it's, it's different, but there is a little bit of gratitude because there was a time where it wasn't going to happen and we are actually going to play meaningful games now.
2: Very much, very much so, because I know there's a lot of teams right now that are not being able to play. We played a team the other day and they only had one game in. We've had a couple, and with preseason games as well. So you kind of have to take that gratitude for what it is. So definitely, definitely thankful. Do so. you say the same thing from
0: a coaching standpoint?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, I think it's hard to generalize. I think it's been different for every single member of our team. And if you were to generalize our team versus, you know, what our counterparts on the women's team, like they they might be experiencing something completely different, you know, season to season, what our winter sports experience compared to what our, you know, usually fall sports are experiencing, Mm -hmm. what our spring sports have had to go through in in terms of, you know, I think really kind of being sort of, you know, worried about is this season going to happen or not. Because the they lost a, a, fall, a full, you know, this has already happened once. Like, right. mm-hmm. could we get shut down again? I think there's that that fearfulness there, um, you know. And so I just think that what we've tried to do is is really just kind of give everybody sort of a little bit of the grace of like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know what you're going through mentally in terms of, you know, being, I don't remember what it was, I mean, 500 and something days in between our last game and in our first game this year, you know, our first actual you know against outside competition game um you know that that can put a different mental strain on guys our freshman guys who came in you know uh and what they were going through in their senior year of high school and how that impacted them it's just been different for everybody uh but you mentioned you know Garves and, and archie you mentioned this too that that gratitude piece and that's mm-hmm. something i've been really really proud of our team uh everybody on an individual level I, I think that that's that's been an emotion that they've shown is, is they're very grateful to be playing. Um, And it's, uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, real positive psychology that comes along with gratitude. So for them to kind of go to that place almost naturally, I've been really proud of them to say, you know, we can look at this and say, well, we don't get our full 20 games like we would, we're only gonna get, you know, 12 or 14 games or whatever this spring, like, well, that, that stinks. And they haven't, they've never gone to that place, at least not, you know, publicly or vocally around the team. It's more so like, hey, we get a chance to play today. We get a chance to train for this game. We get a chance to get on a bus after, you know, not having ridden a bus in, you know, again, 500 days or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, be with our teammates. Like, just they're looking for things to, to to say, this is something that is great. It's something that, you know, we're appreciative of, and we know that it's fragile. Like, we know we have to do the right things to keep this thing going. Um and I'll just, I'll mention, you know, above us then too, not just, you know, with our team, but I think the administration here, I think, you know, within our department yourself, Nick Bursick, uh, you know, Lynn Diedrich, you know, on the compliance side, like everybody is just really pulled in the same direction to make this all happen. And I hope our players know that I've, I've tried to, sh- you know, share that with them. I think they do. Um, but man, it's just, I feel that that gratitude a lot as well. Um, just to to be in this position, you know. Archie mentioned it. The you know, I think this will be now the fourth team in a row that we'll see where it's like they've either played one or zero games before we've played them. This will be our what is this? This will be number number six for us, right? Mm-hmm. If you got, yeah, yeah if you have got the, uh, the expeditions but yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah. we've gotten out and had a chance to play five times already. I feel like we're you know we're working the kinks out, you know, solely but surely, right, Arch? Yeah, you know. Yeah um and and to be able to do that and, and kind of play some non-conference games and that 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 takes some you know some trust on the part of administration here to let us do that uh and man it's just uh, not everybody's in that same position and I'm very grateful and I think our guys are too
0: you talked about the fragility of it too and you know you look no further than your own volleyball team that we talked about yeah. in the previous segment Matt that you know they're one day they're getting ready to start their playoff run and the next day it's over yeah. You know, so that the how have the the guys grabbed onto that, know you know but we have to do the right thing all the time, or this could just be taken away, yeah, and you know the
2: yeah, guys have really
0: embraced that, haven't they yes,
2: yes, most definitely, because we know that like you said, it's fragile, our season could just end just like that, so it it's it's always in our, in the back of my, at least the back of my head, so um and I do my do my best, not always, but I do my best to keep make sure the guys are uh, um on that as well. So um, it is very fragile. It could end.
0: We've touched on scheduling a little bit, and it's been one of the things that I, with your program, I think more than most, because you, you don't shy away from playing anyone. And you usually have the, you know, one of the most difficult schedules for the non-conference portion.
2: And the to le- for sure. Yeah, yeah, to
0: lead you into that conference mm-hmm. play. That's taken away. So it's a little bit of a different element because you talked about working out the kinks. And you would work out the kinks, I guess, in some really difficult matches when you, mm-hmm. you start talking about traditionally playing, you know, like Luther. You've done a home-and-home home with them. You, you know, we had St. Norbert here. You go up to northern Michigan. All that taken away. So it's been a little bit of kind of working out the kinks in conference play, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. You know, and, and Archie mentioned we got a chance early on. We got a chance to play St. Cloud, you know, in a home-and-home home with them. Uh, obviously, a, you know, they're a brand-new Division II squad. But I, we knew they'd be good, and they were, you know, and, and they're – extremely well coached Sean Holmes there took over uh you know and brought on a, a new group of guys and and as I mean they're they're fantastic and and uh so they they exposed some some things for us to to really you know get on film and really be able to say like here's some things early on that we do need to work on um I think the advantage that we have right now even though we haven't had a real lengthy preseason um has been that we we have a lot of returners, like a really good core group of guys. I mean, Archie's one of, I mean, we really have 12 seniors right now uh, who are, who are playing with us. And so um, it's, you know, there's a lot of experience, but again, when you've got that long of a kind of a dry spell without games, you know, you're, you're drawing off some experience from a long time ago that we're trying to, you know, kind of scratch open again. Um, and so they've made a lot of really good adjustments that guys have on their own, um, And, you know, I think that we'll get a a really good test here coming up this weekend.
1: You know, it's a team you and I, Joe, have talked. You know, you and I talk quite often, actually, um, both with UW Spirit and also our work through Duluth FC together. Um, So I feel like I know you pretty well. I feel like having watched your team now and covered your team for many, many years, this might be the deepest group I've seen in terms of skill, um, because I feel like this team can go 18, 19 deep and not lose anything. And... And talking about this season in an accelerated situation where you're basically trying to work out the kinks as you go along, I feel like that fall where the games were taken away from you helped you a lot achieve some of that depth, though, right now. Because I feel like those guys, the younger guys that came in, got those reps as part of the Yellow Jacket Super Series and playing all those inter-squad stuff. And they look very confident to me when they come into games now. And I don't know if you guys have both noticed that, too. But when you go to your bench now, Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like you're going to your bench in a way, because you're bringing in guys that, while they might be younger and more inexperienced, they still have that same level of skill, and so it's an exciting team to watch. I really like the makeup of this team, is what I'm trying to say, and I I don't know if you have had the same feeling about it, but that's kind of what I've seen from this team as far as, like, maturing even though you're only officially three games into your season.
3: Well, I think what we saw in the fall when we had our, kind of our Super Series there, which was, which was great, like, I could not be happier about the way that that went. Like, I thought that was fantastic. Except for maybe that one night. We have, we have one night. <laughs> we should get into that, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I was happy that, yeah, I mean, we'll get into that for sure, you know. Um, but, you know, with the the fall series, there were still – there were a lot of guys that, you know, in terms of our incoming players, that they played like freshmen, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's not uncommon. And there's just there's – a, there's a level that you have to get kind of over to, you know, to get that experience, to get that, you know, kind of just – you know rub off that that green feeling right Mm -hmm. um and uh i just i don't feel like we have a lot of guys right now that that still play like freshmen you know so i think to your point matt uh we did have a real advantage of being able to have a fall season that didn't count against eligibility that really was not you know like we didn't have any outside competition so it's like it's almost like we got a season in already and now these guys are coming back in the spring here almost in in terms of like at the same level as, like, a sophomore might, you know? Right, yeah. And they're playing like that, a lot of them. You know, when you get around the guys that we've got, you've got guys like Archie and Miguel and AJ and uh, Protis. I mean, like, I can go on about, you know, these upperclassmen, Scott, Hansen, like, all these guys, right? That's an intense level of soccer. Blake Perry. I mean, like, just mm-hmm. think about all those guys, right? Yeah. If you're a freshman guy stepping into that environment on a daily basis and now you got to play against them, for seven games, man, that it's going to wake you up quickly. Like you're going to know this is, is not high school. It's not club anymore. This is, this is college ball and it's different. And uh, so, I mean, just to have that experience, like I think our guys really snapped on quickly and it's a lot of credit to our upperclassmen guys who, you know, they, they made the environment. You know, when we, when we went, you know, I don't know if you remember this meeting, Archie, we go all the way back to this summer as we're getting ready uh, we brought the guys in, you know, right away in the fall, and we had our first meeting, and we kind of outlined what does this fall look like for us? Because we're not going to have a national tournament. You know, uh, we we might not have a conference tournament. We might not have a conference at all. And, and then, obviously, you know, kind of piece by piece, all of that disappeared, and it was just going to be able to train. Okay? What is that? What does that fall look like then? How do we have a good experience when we're not able to play games? And so what we talked about was, we wanted to create an elite training environment where day in and day out any member of our team when they showed up to training felt like they were getting better you know and so for our senior guys it was how do we keep developing toward you know whatever that goal is are we going to have a season this spring hopefully maybe maybe not right but let's make sure if we do we're at a good level for our freshman guys let's help these guys really take a deep dive into what college athletics is all about and that whole spectrum in between. And I really give our senior guys and, and really all of our upperclassmen a lot of credit for creating that environment and and really having the willingness to to not mail it in this fall. And they didn't. And, and I think Garbs, you're talking about that game, you know, I mean, we weren't gonna have referees. You know, and by game two, it's like we gotta have referees. Because <laughs> man, it got
1: intense. It was really intense. Yeah. It was really intense. Yeah. It looked like a regular season game to me.
3: Oh man, like you know, guys flying into challenges. Like I mean, it. Yeah. It, you know, and I, I saw Jeremy Euchre at uh, at our first spring game, and he ref some of those games, and he was saying like, he was telling his referee buddies, you know, and Jeremy, if you listen to this, like I hope you don't mind me sharing, but like, man, like, he was telling his, his referee buddies, like, no, that was not a scrimmage. Like it was, it was a game. It was like a conference final type level of intensity, mm-hmm. and you know, just you know wanting to dominate, and I mean trash talk and you know physicality and just wanting to beat the other team and it's like okay now it, it makes sense a little bit you know like as much as you may dislike a conference opponent right you don't have to go back to the apartment and be around that guy after the game right, right. it's like right. 90 right. minutes done right. and dusted with these guys it's like you got to go back and live with these guys you mm-hmm. got to show up to training the next day with these guys right if you make a mistake today it's like It's not that that team will never see you again. Like They're going to see you tomorrow, and they're going to make sure you remember that mistake. They're going to try to get in your head, you know? Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved every
0: second of that intensity. I thought this was was the environment we wanted to create. Did you expect that kind of intensity, Archie, going into it? Because I think in a situation like that, I I know I expected going into those. The first one's going to be pretty good, and after that, it's going to tail off a little bit. Almost like the novelty is going Mm -hmm, to wear mm -hmm. off. It didn't. So, I mean, did you expect going in that it was going to be like two opposing yeah. teams with that kind of intensity?
2: I would have to definitely say yes. Um, if you ever watched our training sessions, um, you could see it. It doesn't matter if you're on the same team as, as the guy that's playing next to you or whatever. If you watched our training sessions, they were just as intense. And that carried on to the game. As soon as coach read off those 11 or 12, 13 guys that are on your team, those are your. That's your, that's your team. It doesn't matter who's on the other side. It was – I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the intensity. I loved the, just the trash talk on it. Um, there were some things we should have definitely not done. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Taken a little too far. But other than that, um, I think that just sets up what we need to be for, the, for this spring, and I think we carried that over really well. So,
1: I think that's part of, like, learning, though, too, right? I mean, how far can you take something like that? I mean, are you going to play it like a regular season game? Yes, but this is still inner squad at a certain point. And I think learning that line, though, helps also develop that kind of, you know, look, this is my teammate at -hmm. the end of the day, regardless of whether I'm playing against him in this game, in this inter-squad or not. At the end of the day, when we actually start playing real games, all of these guys are going to be, you know, yellow jackets at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And so, you know, it's it's. I think that's where that senior leadership can come into a little bit. You know, Archie, you were talking about it. There are some things that we did that we probably shouldn't have, but that's part of that learning process, mm-hmm. you know. Because at the end of the day, it does take I think those upperclassmen to say, "Look, at the end of the day, you know what? It's fine if you if you want to play with an edge, but you know, there's some of that stuff we got to say for actual opponents." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and and Matt, that's part of the right. development like in terms
3: too. Of, like it is, it's it's a learning experience, right? And it was. It was brand new like we had never been in a series like that against our own team you know right and so that was brand new and I think for for myself and the coaching staff we were much more worried about the other like how do we make this meaningful how do we get something out of this? how do we how do we amp these guys up you know and and really you know make sure that there's that this feels like an actual game experience mm-hmm. you know and you know maybe we didn't give our guys enough credit you know in terms of like they're they're gonna do that on their own. And so it wasn't really ever a thought in my mind prior to that of like, all right, how do we kind of figure out where that that kind of like that, that yeah. ceiling is in terms of the intensity and, and where to draw that line. It was more so like, all right, how are we going to get these guys amped up for this and, and make it feel like a real game? And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, maybe not going into it with the the mindset of like finding that line, I think allowed for some of that, that you know, spillover at times. But, and Garvin and I talked about this, like, I think it's so much harder to sort of inject that intensity than it is to curb it and to right. to you know draw that line and say okay that's now we know where that line is like we can bring it down from there. But if if your team doesn't have it or players on your team don't have it, man, it's, you, it's hard to manufacture. I don't know if you can coach it. It's I don't, hard to manufacture. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so and I I thought
1: I was like I said I just I loved it. I thought all those teams, and we talked about it, I thought all the teams took it seriously. Like, I didn't think that there was any team across the board that mailed in anything. Right. Like, I really felt like everybody, every team that took part in the Yellow Dragon Super Series and, and, and kind of led by you guys at a certain level, all took it really seriously. I mean, you and I talked about it with volleyball. I mean, there was some serious competition going on mm-hmm. with volleyball, too, with the volleyball players were really going after each other. And your guys, I expected your guys to do it just because I know the culture of the program and stuff like that. But I thought that was a credit to the entire athletic department, though, that other teams also took that approach yeah. mm-hmm. and really went after each other. You know, I saw it in baseball and softball did it, too, where you know, this is a game. We're not going to treat this like inter-squad. I mean, is it inter-squad? Obviously, yes. But at the same time, we're going to treat this as, as close to an actual game as we possibly can. And well, I want you to. The fact that it
3: was—I yeah. mean, it was streamed. You know, we have. I just, the professionalism of our athletic department during this fall was just—I think it was unmatched. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I'm getting emails and text messages and phone calls from other coaches, from recruits, from you know, from alumni, like we watched the game and you know, man, like Archie's playing super well. You know, like who's this new guy, Protis? Like all like. And those are the, you know I'm getting those text messages from I mean from recruits like it, it helped us so much in the recruiting world because we're the only ones playing at that point you know like nobody right. nobody else any of our opponents they're not playing you know and, and coaches you know well, tell me about the Super Series like what's going on with that like that's so cool like I wish I wish we were doing something like that you know uh, I mean guys from
2: overseas and like I mean just yeah, yeah. right like I just talked to him actually today we had a conversation about um, the fall. And how we approached it and how it's helped us to get to where we are right now and he was just saying like i know you yourself and a couple other guys had something to do with it and the intensity that you brought and how that's led here so he's like i know at times you were down about it and you don't even know if you're gonna have a season but the fact that you got up and you still worked out and you still showed that intensity in trainings and we would talk afterwards and he's like that's you you wanted to be at somewhere that you had that vision you worked your ass off to get to where you are and look at how many guys you brought with you. Not, not myself included. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. I did that for myself and look how many guys came on. And same thing with the next guy. Same thing with Miguel Prodis, all those guys. Scott, Hansen. It just takes a collective and look where we are right now. So I would I'd just definitely shout out to the rest of the team because without the work ethic and without pushing one another, we wouldn't have to be where we are right now. So definitely truly grateful and just glad, you know.
0: I think it says a lot, too, because – all of that effort is being put in that intensity is there, and all of you know that you're there's no national tournament, and I think it speaks volumes that they're willing to put in that kind of work without having that carrot out in front of them because I, was, yeah. I mean your team is built for that you, you know your team is, is built for that that tournament mm-hmm. and to potentially make a pretty significant run in that tournament because you've been very methodical about how you've taken a different, another step each year in that, and now that's taken away. So I think the fact that there's still that, that high of performance and that high of intensity speaks volumes about the culture and the program.
2: Coach, do you remember when a um, couple actually, like freshman, sophomore – actually, all these my junior year till now, actually. You spoke about um, we worry about the next – we worry about this game and then we worry about the next one. That's what kind of reminded me. And I'm not going to say that not having the national tournament wasn't, wasn't easy because it was. Like, for me, myself, I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Like, I was honestly, like, kind of bummed out. And I know a couple of the guys were too. But if you look at it, okay, what do we have? We're still able to train. You're still able to get out and actually play. Let's make it the most of it. Let's take it one day at a time. Well, so, I feel
1: like that, like, is one of the cool things about the men's soccer program that, Joe, you've built here and players like Archie have, have also helped build, is these guys, you strip all away, strip it all away, like all the hardware, the you know conference titles, and the runs of the NCAA tournament that we've had. These guys just love playing soccer. They love getting out there and competing. I mean, you can just, you know, just the opportunity to be on the field together and play. Let's go play. Let's do it hard. Let's do it the right way. You know, you know, forget all this other stuff about the NCAA tournament and, and, and the conference title and all that kind of stuff. That stuff will take care of itself. But at the end of the day, we just like playing soccer. We love doing it the right way. We love playing hard, and we love competing. And at the end of the day, that's just a core fundamental principle of your program. I feel like.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, I think the one thing that that we haven't mentioned that I think it really speaks to is, like, Archie, you mentioned. It. I, I think a lot of guys, everybody on the team, was bummed to not have a shot at the national tournament. I, I think that we we all felt like we were poised to do very well this season and make another run in, in even take some steps in that tournament that we haven't gotten to yet. But I think that it's, you know, that is, that is the, the icing on the cake. That is, it is something that's an objective of ours, obviously, but I think you take it away and it hasn't touched our core values yet. Uh, you know, it, really what I think it comes down to, it's, it's that first core value we always talk about in Seth family, you know, it's, whether there's a, a national tournament or not, whether there's another game or not, you know, I think that the the love and care between our players is what really showed through, and it's you know, whether there's a national tournament or not doesn't change the way our guys feel about each other and how they're going to help each other get better, help each other you know, be their best, enjoy this this whole thing, um, you know, I just I think that really kind of remain true throughout the entire fall and spring now and you know we'll as a program we'll have another shot at a national tournament you know um but I don't think that's the the number one priority it's certainly again it's an objective but the priority is you know taking care of one another and yeah. I think that the, it just it speaks volumes to to what our team really
1: is all about I agree mm-hmm. you know that's i I mean and you know me and John have watched it build over the years and you know it's definitely that's what made the Super Series so fun to watch for me, was just the fact that, you know, yeah, their expectations, are their goals, are their you know um, aspirations for this team. Obviously, I mean, this team, you and I have talked about it, um, is built for success at the NCAA tournament level, um, not just the conference level. But at the end of the day, it is that I get to be out here with these guys, and you know, I get to play the game I love with the guys that I love too, and that's sort of to me, the really the core value. Because if you do that the right way, I feel like that's where you get into the NCAAs and the conference championships and all that kind of stuff. That just kind of comes naturally if you get that that really strong foundation of that alone. And Archie, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's the way I look at it.
2: No, yeah, definitely agree, definitely agree.
1: I think we could go
0: on for quite a long time about all this stuff but uh, we've kept you two long enough and uh, Coach you know where I live if that midnight diaper on shows up (laughs) you know where to find me (laughs) I feel
3: like Archie's got an education as well I definitely did I definitely did thank you guys
1: (laughs) not just about soccer but about uh, future Mm -hmm. fatherhood life yeah, life life lessons on Eye of the Swarm that's what this was today
0: Archie, Coach Mooney thanks for coming by thank you thanks for having us guys we're going to take a break we'll come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this
2: Workers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just
1: for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We are hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today.
0: We're back for our final segment of this edition of Eye of the Swarm, and that was a good roundtable, Matt. Really good. That was a good roundtable. That's right up there
1: with the tennis one, I think.
0: (laughs) That was a good roundtable. It uh, started on a little bit of a tangent that I wasn't expecting us to be on with, you know, talking about babies and diapers. I feel like we've
1: been going increasingly down rabbit holes lately.
0: That's okay though. Yeah, that's okay. You know, people want to hear that stuff. Well, you know, yeah, they don't, they don't want to just hear us talk about sports. I don't think, but uh, you oh, know, get to know I, us a little bit more. It's all part of all part of life. Yeah, it's all part of all life. All part I mean, of I life. Mean, so. That's part
1: of that's part of the reason why we do the podcast too, is because these people are people. Right. You know, yeah. the, and you can show the other side of it sometimes. Right. So that's, yeah, exactly. that's not necessarily a
0: bad thing, but no. uh, also not a
1: bad thing deep breath busy week okay yeah here we go here we go this is <laughs> i'm going to try to buzz through this so if you get confused by the way all of this information is on uwscollegiac.com
0: so and all of this is as fluid as the fluid falling from the sky the
1: last 3 days exactly so jackets.com at the end of the day don't take anything i say as gospel just go there and find out when the teams are playing for sure but this is what we know right now okay so here we go men's soccer as we just talked about in the last segment. They are back home tomorrow taking on Bethany Lutheran, as we created this on a Friday, by the way, when we talk about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. This is a Saturday, 3.30 p.m. The tentative kick time there. That's game two, but doubleheader with the women. We'll talk more about the women's game in a second. But tentative start time there on the pregame because it'll be with yours truly here uh, live on 91.3 FM. 3.15 uh, the pregame there as the L Jackets return home to take on Bethany Lutheran. So, if the weather is good, come out and watch them. If not, you can always tune in on 91.3 FM and listen to them. They're playing great soccer, as we talked about already. 19 to 1, they've all scored the opposition. So, we hardly uh, even talked
0: about any of that. Yeah, either. we didn't That's even the talk crazy about thing. That's
1: the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but they're rolling right along as they usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 3.30, tentative start time after the women's game. Women's game starts at 1. The same time, twelve forty-five. The pregame there again. All that will be live, no delayed broadcast or anything. And I have to say that because we do have some delayed broadcasts coming up. Yep. So, just so you know, those games are live tomorrow um, over at the MC Spartan Sports Complex. Softball is busy this week. Um, they are not as busy as they might have been, but they do still have four games this week. Um, they are playing as we t- record this on a Friday. They'll be playing Northwestern at home uh, later this afternoon. Yeah, in a few <laughs> minutes. Um, yours truly. I'll be on with the air time on that one but that's a delayed broadcast because we can't interrupt wpr programming on 91.3 fm um but we will i think be airing that at seven o'clock tonight it'd be my guess something like that i'm thinking yep is that about right Yeah. elliot says yes all right so 7 p.m that will be on that will be a delayed broadcast yellow jackets taking on northwestern that's a double header at the NBC spartan sports complex 330 and 530 the official start times there uh they also have a sunday home contest these games will be broadcast live i have to also make that distinction Live on Sunday, they'll be taking on Northland College up at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex 1 in 3 p.m. pregame at 1245. And again, those will be brought back to you live. They had a game against Bethany Lutheran, a doubleheader against Bethlehem Lutheran that was scheduled for tomorrow, but that has been postponed. So for more information on that one and when that might be rescheduled, go to uwsljackets.com, as I mentioned. We'll move on to baseball. Uh, baseball this week, tomorrow they are taking on North Central. 1.30 and 4 p.m. We will not be broadcasting those games. We will be, however, broadcasting their games coming up on Wednesday. They'll be taking on Northwestern. That, again, will be a delayed broadcast on the doubleheader. 1.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. on that doubleheader, the first pitch. Officially, we'll be on with the delay, or I will be on with the uh, delay broadcast starting at 7 p.m. as the El Jackets take on the Eagles. Again, that is baseball this upcoming week. Volleyball is done for the season, as we know. Unfortunately for them, but they are done for the campaign. Men's and women's tennis this week, they had two matches postponed that have already supposed to have been played this week. Those were postponed. Those were the matches against Martin Luther and and Minnesota Morris. They are scheduled to be in action this Wednesday taking on St. Scholastica, and those are supposed to be outdoor complex tennis uh, matches or matches played over at the MWC, outside on the tennis courts. For those of you who are local, you know where that is. Um, 4 p.m. against the Saints, but I don't know if those are going to take place or not, but they are on the schedule as of now.
0: And I think if they're not going to play outside, those are not going to happen.
1: I don't see those ones moving inside. I don't think so either, but that's just the way it is. Okay, men's golf. They are at uh, the Turtleback Invite hosted by St. Scholastica at Turtleback Golf Course in Rice Lake on Sunday. That's 11 a.m. Action will get underway there. And then they are at the UMAC Conference Preview at the Pebble Creek Golf Club in Becker, Minnesota on Tuesday. Um, Women's golf, meanwhile, will also be in action this weekend. They will open their campaign at the Falcon Invite, hosted by UW-River Falls, also at Turtleback Golf Course. Just the same course, different host institution. They'll be playing that tomorrow. They will also play on Sunday at the UW-Eau Claire Invitational, hosted by UW-Eau Claire at Wild Ridge Golf Club in Eau Claire. And then they will have a third meet that they will be at, again, the UMAC Conference Preview at Pebble Creek. Golf club on Tuesday, so they'll be joining the men at the at the conference preview. So the golf teams, both of them, will be in action this week. A lot of golf being played between now and when we come back. Um, men's and women's outdoor track and field will also be in action. They're the final teams that will be in action. They were both idle last week. They will be at the Falcon Invitational hosted by UW River Falls at Raymer Field in River Falls. And I didn't have a start time on that. I don't know when it is, but I'm not sure when it is either. I'm guessing it's going to be an eleven or noonish start. But okay, something I don't know like that. that. For certain. But that is the schedule that's coming up. Again, some of that is going to be subject to change. So go to UWSYellowJackets.com and then click on the individual sports to find out what's exactly happening. But that's where things stand as of now, including how our broadcast schedule lines up. So um, yeah, I mean, things are fluid. Things are going to keep moving. But Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we're at as of right now. And John, you're more on top of that than anybody else. So kind of have to be. (laughs) But that's what's upcoming this week, and that's what uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring uh, the results of you uh, of well, those are the results. We'll be able to bring to you next week when we have our next podcast. Jealous
0: of those golf teams getting to play Turtleback. I love that course.
1: <laughs> I love
0: that course. It's one of my favorites. There you have it. Yeah, it's so, one of my favorites. So good right. luck to good luck to them. Good luck to all the teams. It's yeah, a, it's a busy yeah. week, like you said. It's going to be a, a the action's going to be pretty fast and furious. Yeah, you know, over is. the next three or four weeks as we start to see things really ramp up, and then just as quickly start to wind down. So yeah. it's, it's going to be a fast and furious couple of weeks. Yeah,
1: And and they're, like I said, and I hate to belabor the point, but uh, there are going to be probably some postponements in there as well. So uh, best to just go to the athletics website and then find out what's happening. Uh, we can only do what we can do as far as what's available right now and what we know is being played. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, things change in a hurry. And uh, we've talked about it all year. But same old, same old. And we've got two seasons going at once, fall and spring, jammed into the spring. So that's why all these things are happening at simultaneously. So. Uh, if, if you caught all that and you can keep up with all that, you're doing really well, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to keep doing really well and keeping you in, in uh, keeping you updated on what's going on. So we want to thank
0: head coach Joe Mooney and Archie Jerdrum from the Yellow Jacket men's soccer team for their appearance on the roundtable segment today. We thank Elliot Sweary, our engineer, the big sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thanks as always for tuning in to Eye of the Swarm. <laughs>